Hey everybody, thank you for spending time with us today. If you want to know why you should have a meditation practice, you'll want to stay with us. We'll be talking meditation today with my guest, Kara Goodwin. Welcome to Evolving Humans. I'm your host, Julia Marie, and this podcast is for visionary people like you who are exploring the true nature of reality and want to contribute to the global awakening. You seek to deepen the connection to your multidimensional self so that you can live a more conscious life. Kara Goodwin is a meditation and spiritual transformation coach, energy healer, and beekeeper. She's host of the Meditation Conversation podcast and is passionate about helping those who wish to tap into the wisdom and gifts within them. Thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Julie. I'm really excited to be here. Your life was on a pretty good trajectory. You had a happy marriage and some beautiful kids and living the Mediterranean lifestyle in Italy. And then your family experienced a series of devastating tragedies. What happened in 2016 and how did that lead you to the meditation path? Yeah, so you put it really well. I, as you say, was just kind of living a mainstream life. We'd moved moved abroad to Italy. I had stopped working my corporate job in order to care for the kids. And after a couple of years of living there, we had those series of tragedies. So we had um, my sister-in-law passed away. Our, our dog passed away really quickly at like three weeks later. My dad had a, a surgery on his spinal cord. My mother-in-law was hit by a motorcycle while she crossed the street. And then my stepmom uh, was ended up in the hype in the ICU for failing heart, but it was really touch and go there. That really rocked my world because I had things had just been smooth sailing. You know, we were all healthy. We were all, you know, kind of just living a joyful life. And then it was one thing after another, and it was in such a quick succession that it just felt like these waves kind of coming and crashing on top of you one after another. So it was really through that, that I started to have this sense that really not necessarily an understanding that all of this is happening for a reason. Mm Mm-hmm. But really, like, there's got to be more, like, just being interested in, like, what is going on with this thing called life. It just seems like there's more to it than the surface, than than what's on the surface. And um, so I felt that a good way to tap into that for me was meditation. I had I had been interested in meditation for a very long time. But I had never been able to really adopt a practice of it. Mm -hmm. It was one of those things like I didn't think I was good at it. I tried it. I didn't know what I was doing, Uh, you know, in quotes. (laughs) Through this, I really felt this something wake up within me that was like, okay, something is wanting to be explored here. I think that meditation can be a pathway Mm -hmm. to what, and I didn't really even know what do I even want to get out of this? I mean, comfort and like a feeling of calmness amidst this storm that was happening in my life. I definitely wanted that. I wanted 
I wanted calmness. I wanted some sense of security, but I didn't even really know what I was looking for, what I thought I would find. Um, but it just seemed like the right time to really take uh, creating a practice seriously. My personal perspective is that everyone comes to spirit through their own unique pathway. That just seems to me like that was your wake-up call from the universe. Mm-hmm. There, There's more here. And you mm-hmm. asked why, and the universe answered you. Right. Yeah, so that was really my my launching point. And when I when I started my practice, it, it wasn't spiritual, even though I did learn from monks, but I really just wanted to learn meditation. And I was drawn to the techniques of Paramhansa Yogananda, who's the author of Autobiography of a Yogi, mm-hmm. particularly because he had a very like cause and effect scientific approach to it. That really appealed to me, even though he was a monk, he was very dedicated. Well, he's pa- he passed away in 1952, yeah. but in his life, he was a monk. So he was very connected with God and he he talked about God. But I sort of was not, I was really on the fence about that part of it. But I really liked the, okay, if you do this with your breath, for example, your mind does this, your nervous system does this. And it will help you to concentrate and to go deeper into meditation. And there were just things like that that were very practical. And that's what I really liked about him. And and it took me a much longer time to start to open up to the spiritual side and, and awakening more into that part of myself. Well, I wanted to have you on to basically because of that marriage of the science and the the spirituality, because we're talking about techniques or practices that are really thousands of years old, and yet science is finally research-wise catching up with what happens organically or physically to to the human brain when we apply some of these practices. For example, I was fascinated by the impact of focusing awareness on my third eye and then how that strengthens that area, which then also affects the limbic system. Yeah, so the two centers in Mm -hmm. the brain. Yeah, so it's very, you know, the brain is complicated. So I'm I'm not going to pretend to be a neuroscientist or to, you know, really know deeply the nuances. But Speaking very generally, we have the prefrontal cortex, which is that front part of the brain, which is where our joy is. It's our altruism, our sense of connection, our creativity, all of those kind of higher aspects of a human being. Mm -hmm. When we're expressing those, the, the limbic system is active. And we know this from MRI scans that they've done research where they've induced people are induced into those kinds of states and they're like what happens in the brain and that's the part that lights up conversely when we are feeling anger hatred sadness separation any of that like isolated i've got to take care of me and nobody gets me and everybody's out to get me um the part of the brain that would light up in some sort of scan 
is the limbic system. And that's the oldest, lowest part of the brain. Like mm-hmm. if we think of the evolution, evolving humans, yep. if we think of how our brain has evolved from a more primitive brain to a more evolved brain, the newer parts, the more evolved parts are those outer parts of the brain and that the forehead areas, like the, the brand new human part, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like from a design perspective, Mm -hmm. but the brain built up and evolved from the inside out. So that lower middle part of the brain, that is the limbic system. It's an old part. It's an animalistic part of the brain. And so that's where those more animal instinctual survival, uh, characteristics are. And so the interesting thing with meditation is that as we bring our awareness, like you said, to the third eye, we're focusing more in that prefrontal cortex area. And just like we hear, you've probably heard it a million times, where your thoughts go, energy flows. Mm -hmm. Where you bring your attention is where energy is going to go. So if you're making part of your meditation, just bringing awareness to the front of your brain, you're strengthening it. It's becoming stronger. And those two centers, the the prefrontal cortex and the limbic system, they don't work at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like one or the other. And one fires up, the other's quiet and vice versa. So if in meditation, you're making some of your time being, I'm going to have my awareness at the third eye then you're bringing energy to the prefrontal cortex. It's strengthening it because where your awareness goes is where the energy is going and it's quieting the limbic system. And this is why we can feel so calm in meditation because our, our limbic system gets a break. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, it's, I, I don't have anything to do here. The more time we build up doing that, then it's just like if you go to the gym and you're focusing on your biceps and that's really what you're focusing on while you're working out. But then suddenly somebody needs you to move a couch and you're like, oh, it used to be hard to move a couch, but now my arms are really strong because I've been doing all this weightlifting. It's Mm -hmm. the same sort of thing. It's like, oh, you're not meditating, but you get triggered or there's a, a high intensity situation, but you're calm. Whereas you would you you used to would maybe would have become angry or upset or offended yeah. or something. It's a way to strengthen those higher aspects of ourself from a brain. It's a brain training. That's a great way to put it. We go to the gym and train our bodies, but we uh, don't necessarily work on training our brain. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Because the more we build this up within ourselves, then you can start talking about things like frequency Mm -hmm. and vibration. Yep. And I'm sure that your listeners hear a lot about frequency and vibration, but the more we lift ourselves into a higher vibration, one of the ways we do that is through a meditation practice, but we start to become the dominant force in that type of setting. So when we're around other people, we influence them in a higher way. We lift them up in a way we don't have to be saying anything, Mm -hmm. but it's just something that is happening because we are strong within ourselves. We've got that high vibration and the high vibration brings the, the lower vibration up typically. 
yeah, is uh, it's the stronger that absorbs the lower. So there are lots of different ways that that it manifests, and uh, that we're able to hold that calmness and share it. Yeah, we don't have to say anything. Sympathetic resonance will do the job. Exactly. Sympathetic resonance and entrainment. Other than being able to be of benefit to the people around me, what are some of the other benefits an individual person could experience if they choose to have some form of a meditation practice? Yeah. I mean, the low hanging fruit is that calmness, that serenity. Um, but there are more um, things that might be a little bit sneakier and and take longer to realize is happening. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier synchronicity. Mm-hmm. And synchronicity is tied to our intuition or our ability to perceive communication outside of the physical. Yep. That strengthens through a meditation practice because we're simply being still and allowing ourselves to experience our real, true, eternal self mm-hmm. beyond how we see ourselves relationally. And by that, I mean, how do other people interact with me? I'm a mother. I'm a wife. I'm a friend. I'm a sister. I'm a daughter. You know, all these ways and all those different ways that I have relationship with people, they see me as a different person, but that's that's not really who I am. I'm not any of those things, really. I'm not... The true me is not a daughter or a mother. It, I am, but I'm more than that. I'm more than what other people, how other people see me. Truly, I'm not what other people see of me. But how do I know that? And how do I experience it? And how can I learn to receive communication from that part of me that is beyond all of the ways that other people see me? And It is through quieting ourselves, giving ourselves that space, giving ourselves that time. And it doesn't have to be. We don't have to develop this massive hour long Mm -mm. practice where we're, you know, and in some ways that can work against us. I have been in meditations where the goal is to meditate for three hours or whatever. And my mind is way more distracted in that time because I feel like eventually I'll get around to stilling my mind. But if I know I only have five minutes or 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. I get right to the point and I'm like, okay, what's here for me right this second? So again, it's it doesn't have to be this complicated, massive thing. It's just turning our awareness from the outside in and through the practice of doing that, we learn how to perceive ourselves, our, our true selves, the self that goes beyond the body, beyond the emotions, beyond the personality, beyond this human experience. There's something else. There's an awareness and there is a, an intelligence that's not mental. It's not, it's not intelligence like rational mind intelligence. It's a cosmic conscious awareness that knows that your heart needs to beat without you doing anything about it. And I'm not talking about the subconscious mind, because Mm -hmm. again, that's attached to the human. This is Mm -hmm. more than that. So 
it's just through giving ourselves the time and the space. And again, it doesn't have to be a massive amount of time, but like making that practice, that to me is the biggest benefit. And there's nothing more important. There is nothing more important in this life than giving yourself some time and space to do that, to really know what it is you're here for and what is the next best right step for you. I tell people I live from the inside out. That's number one, not from the outside mm -hmm. in. Inside yeah. out. And number two, give spirit. Ten minutes if you had it, but if you only have five, give spirit five minutes a day. Yeah. Exactly. That's it. And yeah. you'd be surprised what, what will come into you in those moments when you're when you're just focused on doing that one thing for five minutes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have a short meditation or something like that people could access? Yeah. If you go to my website, it's karagoodwin.com. I spell Kara with a K. And uh, there is a 10-minute guided meditation. You just, it uh, is right there on the homepage. Just put your email in there. It'll go right to your inbox and you can use that as much as you want. What are some of the misconceptions about meditation? I think one of the big ones is that it's some sort of religious something that seems to be a big barrier for people is that they think it's against their religion um, or that it's going to like suck them into a different type of religion mm -hmm. than what they practice. And there's a big differentiator for me in terms of, you know, religion and the the practices of religion and your own connection with your spiritual side. And so for me, meditation doesn't have a dogma to it. It doesn't have a, you know, you have to do it this way. I mean, you can definitely find teachers who are very insistent that there is one way to do it. This is what proper meditation is. Any other type of meditation is not the real thing. In fact, the path that I began on, it was like, don't leave this. Don't leave this organization because this is the fastest path to self-realization or to God or whatever. And uh, and it really makes it hard to leave. But it's not a religious thing. Meditation typically is associated with Eastern theology. But, you know, there's like contemplative Christian practices exactly. and... It's not a religious thing. It's what it is, what you make it. And that's what life is. It's what you make of it. Everything is what you decide to make it. The same goes for meditation. So you can meditate. And I mean, meditation is really just being aware, focusing, like choosing what you focus on. And like I said, it's very helpful to bring that focus inward and really focus on, on yourself. You can notice your emotions. You can just focus on your breath. There are so many different things that you can focus on just by me saying, focus on yourself. Likewise, you know, if you do feel really very drawn to a specific religion that's been a part of your life for a long time, you know, let's say that you grew up Christian, you're still Christian, you're interested in meditation, but you're afraid of it. Take 
a psalm that means something to you and and repeat the psalm in your head with your eyes closed and just see what happens while you're while you're still while you're sitting there with nothing else that you're doing and repeat that psalm and just really feel like you are absorbing yourself more and more into that that is a very valid meditation practice mm-hmm. it's a very natural way that we tap into the spiritual aspect of our being mm-hmm. we can have a very personal relationship with our spiritual side and there are a, a lot of lineages let's say religions spiritual leaders in one capacity or another who don't encourage that who do infuse fear in that practice of having direct communication mm-hmm with spirit. And that is not, that is your birthright. It is your birthright to experience and blossom your spiritual nature. And in my opinion, that is why we're here. I understand. Yeah. And I'm not saying religion is a bad thing, but even as a child, I wondered about that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. What are some common pitfalls that people run into they might want to remain aware of um the the slipperiest slope in my opinion is putting yourself in a position where you think someone else is going to get you there wherever mm-hmm. there is but if you think somebody else holds the the key to your enlightenment it's not to say that there aren't teachers who are going to help you again going back to what we talked about where it's like this is the quickest. I'm the only true teacher. Don't listen to anybody else. You know, everything goes through me. Give me all your, give me all your attention. Give me your money. Give me, you know, there are lots of ways that it can manifest. There can't, this can happen without them ever asking mm-hmm. for money, by the way. And we're not just talking about cults. Yep. You know, this can happen in traditional religion too. Why do I need to tell, why do I need to have an intermediary who's in charge of my my relationship with God, that is false. That is false. And so it's no judgment if that's where we are, but it is something to consider. It's something to, I mean, your logical mind, you can untangle that with your logical mind, taking away what you've been told, however long you've been told it by people who benefit from you believing that. Mm-hmm. But it's like you get this in religion, but you do get this in, you know, non-religious spiritual communities too, yep. where it's, you know, you this is the way, this is the only way, I'm your ticket. You know, that's a, a very slippery slope. And, and I say slippery because it can come out of nowhere where you really mm-hmm. think that you are aligned with somebody who is helping you and bit by bit. You, they start to like hook you and you think that, you know, you just start to believe that that that's the only way and that they've got some dominion over you. And uh, I tell people all the time, the one thing that no one can take from you, but that you can freely give away is your connection to spirit. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Let's say someone listens to this conversation and they get inspired and they go get that 10-minute meditation. So what would you say to somebody just starting out on their meditation journey? Well, there are a lot of ways to go about it. And 
one thing that I would say is try not to make it too complicated because when we want to, at least speaking from my own experience, like I want to do this right. Let me try Mm -hmm. something and make sure that I'm doing it the right way. And then like when I find the methodologies that I like, it's like, am I doing it right? And focusing on all these pieces of the equation that I didn't really understand with my mind and making it a very mental intellect thing. And so it's my biggest piece of advice is just to relax into it and, and to keep following that, that inner call that you're getting that is like, wow, I'm feel very, I feel very attracted to this. I think there's something here. Get that guided meditation. I've got other, my podcast is called Meditation Conversation. There are other guided meditations on there from me and other meditation teachers. Um, you just have to kind of comb through because I've got mm-hmm. like, you know, over 300 episodes out there. So you can go on the meditationconversation.com and you can do a search for guided meditations and that should bring them all up. And then you've got a big library there, but listening to a guided meditation can be really beneficial because then it, you just kind of get carried. And if you do want to go deeper and learn like techniques in particular, like, so how do I sit? What are some breathwork techniques I can do? How do I create my own uh, practice? What are, why are we focusing on the heart? We've talked today about the brain, but what do I want? What is it doing to my brain? What is, you know, vibration, frequency, all that. Like if you want to go deeply into it and have more of a pragmatic approach to it, I do have an online course that's designed to be a 21 day, but it's basically like 21 little units, Mm -hmm. like bite-sized things. And it has loads of guided meditations in there and videos and you know, all kinds of stuff. So that that's on my website too. You've agreed to do a deeper dive into some of the more transcendental aspects of meditation. And I appreciate that. But before we close, please tell people how they can find you. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. My website again is karagoodwin.com. That's Kara with a K. And the podcast is called Meditation Conversation. You can get to all those episodes on themeditationconversation.com. And I also am on YouTube that the channel is at themeditationconversation.com. I just want to thank you again. I appreciate the wisdom and we had a great conversation. It's been so much fun. Thank you so much, Julia. That's our time for today. Thank you for continuing to support Evolving Humans with your ratings and reviews. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with two other people so we can bring more awareness to the planet. And now, here's a quote for you to contemplate as you go about your day. Quiet the mind and the soul will speak. Majaya Sati Bhagavati